0: Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is Casey. And I'm Mark. It is good to have you back. If you're new to the podcast, we are coming out of the Westside Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. And currently, we are going through and kind of following, if you will, a sermon series that our preacher, Nathan Guy, is going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the series is called One Sermon That Changed the World. And the sermon this past Sunday was called Judgy McJudgerson. And so we are in chapter 7 of Matthew 5. If you want to follow along as we dive in, and what we like to do is give a few of our takeaways as the hosts, and then we'll kind of bounce some questions back and forth off of each other and and end with a challenge for the week. So we'd love to hear from you. We have an email. We have an email. Podcast at wschurch.net. So shoot us an email with any questions, comments, reflections that you have, and we'd love to interact with you there. If you are like to dive deeper with us, you can access the sermon on our Facebook page. You can go back and listen to it if you haven't had a chance to do that or on our YouTube channel. You can also visit NathanGuy.com for kind of a one-stop shop of not only the the video of the sermon, but also the, the audio podcast he puts on there. And also he has a free ebook, Living the Sermon on the Mount is what it's called. And so you can download that for free on that website and also get links to just a plethora of other things such as articles, videos, and things of that nature there. So with that said, the objective of today's podcast is this, to let God be the judge, to see ourselves clearly enough that we discern gracefully and see others as God sees us. So we'll start off with the text for the day in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1
1: you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. All right. Very good. So we'll start off with some of our takeaways
0: from the sermon, and so as we as we go through these, we'd love to for you to reflect on on these takeaways as well, and and maybe go back and
1: re listen or rewatch the sermon. And so, Mark, yep, I've got a few. Let's see. One of Jesus' main points in this part of his sermon is our tendency to judge others while being blind to our own faults. Mm. And I think during the sermon, that was kind of the main, main idea of
0: the sermon. Yeah, it's so easy to look at somebody else and what's wrong with them and
1: completely neglect
0: what's wrong with our own self.
1: And then there's an illustration from a former preacher at college church, I guess from back in the 80s. I can't remember when he said he was there, but Mike Cope, yeah. Yeah, he said, when it's myself, I can say I reconsidered. When it's you... I say you changed your mind Mm -hmm. when it's them. I say they went back on their word. Mm -hmm. And so this makes me think of that. Our perception and judgment of others are skewed depending our and we are lenient with ourselves harsher with those close to us and even harsher with those who we don't know well Mm. to break this cycle. We're challenged to adopt a mindset of mercy and positive assumptions about others and I like this quote from St. Ambrose, which I've never heard of St. Ambrose.
0: I, <laughs> I'm i not sure what century he was, but he's, he's, you know, one of
1: those church theologians from centuries past. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, he said, nothing graces the Christian soul as much as mercy. Mercy has a transformative power. And by choosing to assume the best in others, we can bring out the best in them and foster a more compassionate and understanding society. Mm-hmm. And there are two types of judgment one that is cautioned against in Scripture, and one that is necessary and appropriate. Treat others as brothers before judging. I added that in. I don't think this was necessarily in the sermon itself, but it made me think of Galatians 6 1 and 2, Hmm. which I'll turn over there and read real quick.
0: Yeah, that quote that you mentioned from St. Ambrose, nothing graces the Christian soul as much as mercy. It, it reminded me of one of the things that Jesus said to the Pharisees, go and figure out what this means. Show mm. compassion or have compassion and mercy yes. <laughs> rather than sacrifice. And uh, yeah, that was one of Jesus' emphasis when he was uh, teaching was mercy. Mm. So that's a great quote.
1: Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Mm. It kind of reminds me of, well, I guess this section in Matthew as well, to where Jesus is talking about not judging and then talking about helping your brother. Mm -hmm. And so I think he specifically uses the term brothers because we need to think of each other as brothers first yeah. instead of being judgmental.
0: And also restoration and not tearing down.
1: Mm, Yes. Yes. Because also, let's see if I wrote this in this part. Oh, yeah. We should also not be judging from a distance. We need to be intimately involved with. These people. I mean, they are our brothers. Right. And so it's easy to judge from a distance Mm -hmm. and tear people down that way. It's a lot harder to tear people down when you're walking with them. Right. Right. I also have the two most common perceptions of Christians by the world is that we are judgmental and hypocritical, Mm -hmm. which Nathan in his sermon pointed out that. There's irony in that statement because the people saying this are also judging. Right. <laughs> but I think this also calls for introspection and change, urging Christians to reflect on our attitudes to ensure they align with Christ's teaching. And Bonhoeffer had a really good section in his book, which is on our list of sources that you can get online. Mm. He goes more into that, and we can get more into that later. G.K. Chesterton had this quote, It is not bigotry to be certain we are right, but it is bigotry to be unable to imagine how we might possibly have gone wrong. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can think of other people that need to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need to hear this too. <laughs> yeah,
0: because, I mean, you know, it it kind of speaks to, you know, you can have confidence in, in – righteousness, but don't let that take away from, could I possibly be wrong? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's a hard thing. And I have to remind myself it's, it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. It seems very paradoxical. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another quote from Bonhoeffer. When I judge, I am blind to my own evil and to the grace granted the other person, but in the love of Christ Disciples know about every imaginable imaginable kind of guilt and sin because they know of the suffering of Jesus Christ, hmm. which again, I think this is part of the same section of that book that I was talking about earlier, um, that we, we don't have a right to, we don't have the right to judge, but we can only do it. By being Christ first or following in Christ. And it's Christ who judges, not us who judge. Right. See, we are in no way capable of removing the plank from our own eye. Christ is the only one who does that for us. That's a good reminder right there. Yeah. And fortunately for us, God is the one who ultimately judges us. And through his son, we have been granted so much mercy. Yes. So. Amen to that. Other people that are you may feel like they're judging you, they really don't have any room to do it because it's God that's the one that does it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it is so freeing whenever somebody asks a question about, you know, righteousness or whether they were <clears throat> right or wrong in a in a certain situation or, you know, even, you know, to get really grim, you know, whenever somebody has passed away and, and is wondering, you know, what what the ultimate, I guess, resting place of their loved one's soul is. And it's like that's not our job as Christians. Like, I'm glad I'm not the judge of that. Yes, you know. Yeah. Leave that in leave that in God's hands. And and so, you know, taking that responsibility of of being the judge out of our hands is a very freeing action.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are some takeaways
0: that you got? All right. So in in Matthew chapter 7, this passage is sometimes used to defend somebody's own error. You know, I've, I've heard people go about living a certain lifestyle, and they'll quote verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. And, mm-hmm. you know, in other words, don't judge me. And and obviously, it's taking it out of context. And I, I thought it was very interesting that, you know, whenever you read this in its full context, it does seem like there is a place for Christians to judge. You know, it, it seems like there is a there is a place in in our in our Christian walk for I've heard it called righteous judgment. I mean, you know, whenever he goes on to talk about things that are in your brother's eye, first take what's out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so the the language there is, uh, yes, there is, there is a time and a place for uh, you to have righteous judgment, but you need to do a self-check first. Uh, and so the point that Jesus is making is not, you know, there's never a time to go to your brother and and try and correct a wrong that is in their life that that is needed. I mean, as you pointed out in Galatians, which I thought was a great verse to reflect on, that we are called as brothers and sisters to to help restore someone else's relationship to God if it's out of a line. And so and so there is a place for righteous judgment. And I love the verse that was brought up in the sermon, John seven, and verse twenty four says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And so there's this instruction from Jesus himself of righteous judgment. There is a time and a place for this righteous judgment, which is what Jesus calls it. And then over in one of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 3 and following, he's he's talking about sexual immorality in this text, and obviously you can imagine that there was probably a lot of judgment going around whenever there was a sexual immorality that had festered its way into the church. And Paul wrote, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and if and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that hit, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And it uses that same language that you brought up from Galatians chapter 6. This, The end goal is restoration, the, not to break down, not to tear down. But Paul is giving this Instruction to the church when somebody is caught in sexual immorality or caught up in sexual immorality. And the purpose of that is so that their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And so that's the purpose of this. And, you know, I think the word judging gets a bad rap because oftentimes it's looked at as tearing someone down because of something but the judgment that jesus and and paul is is promoting is a is a judgment that is all about restoration to god it's mm-hmm. all about bringing someone back to god and not not necessarily looking at their sin and saying how dare you i can't believe you but rather hey you know i'm, I'm concerned about your relationship with christ mm-hmm. and so let's let's think about that together jumping down to verse 12 in that same chapter paul wrote for what have i to do with judging outsiders is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Which I think is a great verse because oftentimes we look at those outside the church, which which was talked about in the sermon Sunday. You know, we look at the world and oftentimes we condemn the world. And Paul's like, "Who am I to judge those outside the church?" Like. We have enough problems right here at Corinth <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. And so why don't we take care of those and, and focus on, you know, restoring our relationship to God. And people that are outside the church, they need to know the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know— as they begin to understand the love of Christ, obviously they're going to start recognizing the sin that is in their life, but it is not my place, Paul says in first Corinthians chapter five, verse twelve for judging outsiders, which i I think is a powerful verse
1: we're expecting them to live up to a standard that yeah. they're not aware of, right yeah, right,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Another takeaway was this quote, "What Jesus is getting at is criticism without concern." And I think that's what Paul is is getting at too in those in those statements is you know looking at someone and recognizing that there that there is a speck in their eye, but not necessarily criticizing that speck because hey I just finished taking this log out of my eye and let me tell you it was painful and so not concerned over uh, you know maybe over what the sin was but rather concerned that. Their relationship is out of sync with Christ, and that it needs to be brought back in line with that and And so that's what the concern is uh, whenever we're judging someone is is out of compassion, out of mercy, not tearing down. A third takeaway for me, we need to change we need a change of heart that comes with a change of perspective. And that's, you know, really, I think been kind of an underlying. Theme throughout this Sermon on the Mount series is this change of perspective. And three ways that were mentioned how to change our perspective were these avoid being hypercritical. Avoid being hypocritical, which you kind of touched on, Mark, and avoid being critical <laughs> altogether. And so so yeah, as Christians, you know, our job is to is to love one another. Jesus says they will know you by your love for one another. And when when someone is out of line with righteousness, trying to restore them back to righteousness in a loving, compassionate way is is the concern that Jesus is getting at here. Another takeaway for me is is what Nathan called a central teaching. And you look over in Romans chapter 2, and out of the 29 verses, I think it is in Romans chapter 2, 23 verses carry this mantra of don't pass judgment mm. on others. And so there's this constant theme, and James even refers to it this way in James chapter 5 and verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold the judge is standing at the door. And so there there is an ultimate judge and man people really like to play the part of the judge. And yeah, I think you alluded to this that whenever we do play the part of the judge, it it maybe deflects attention off of our own unrighteousness. Mm. And so yeah, so don't pass judgment is there throughout the throughout the gospel and also throughout the epistles as well. And then one more that I had was this reflective question. It was right towards the end of the sermon. And it just it really hit home with me. How can we better minister to those who don't know Christ? Mm. And you know, you you said it just a minute ago that you know those who don't know Christ don't know any better. And mm. so, how we can minister to those people is is looking at how Christ ministered to those people that didn't know God, that didn't have a relationship with God. I mean, he treated them with such love and compassion. And then you see his interactions with the scribes and Pharisees, and he was very harsh because they did know better. Mm-hmm. They did know God. And and they were those hypercritical, those hypocritical, those hypocritical, or those critical guys that would constantly hold people to a standard that was never intended to. And yet Christ ministered to people by loving them. He didn't he wasn't I guess affirming of their sin. He he would simply say go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. And so but he loved them and he wanted them to have a relationship with God or restore their relationship to God. And that did mean going and sinning no more, but it started with love. It didn't start with criticism. It mm-hmm. didn't start with with I guess this this aura of, you know, negative judgmentalism.
1: And so those are some of my takeaways. Ah, oh, very good. It makes me think of, ai don't want to call it a quote because I'm paraphrasing, but what was it? It was, we have to be careful how we see other people because for us, the only guaranteed place that we'll find evil is in our own hearts. Mm. Yeah. So we always have to remember that. Right. Right. Yeah. All right.
0: yeah. So we'd love to hear some of your takeaways as well. If you wanted to write some of those down and email us, we'd love to hear that podcast at wschurch.net. So let's get into some Q and A's. And as we go through these, it'd be, it's helpful if you wanted to pause the podcast and think about these questions and we'll, we'll kind of give, you know, our answers to them, but you know, the point of this is for you to kind of reflect deeper on, on not only the sermon, but the Sermon on the Mount itself. And so, and so yeah, just push pause and, and, and think about
1: these questions yourself as well as we, as we work our way through them. All right, Casey, what would happen in relationships if everyone adopted the benefit of the doubt <laughs> principle? Benefit of the doubt principle. The benefit of the doubt principle is something I think it was
0: was it Randy Harris in his book Living Jesus. I think it was that that he mentions this benefit of the doubt principle, and it's it's this assumption that everyone. I, I guess it's this assumption of. Rightness, I guess. So correct me if I'm wrong. assuming the best about everyone in every situation is how he puts it. Yes, assuming the best about everyone in every situation. And so, so what would happen in a relationship? I mean, I think about the the closest relationship that I have, at least physical relationship with with my wife. And if I was to adopt the benefit of the doubt principle, I think it would go a long way in, <laughs> in making fights, you know, maybe even non-existent. Yeah. I, was, I was getting ready to say shorter, but, you know, maybe even non-existent. If I just assumed the best about, about my wife, assumed the best about the situation, that she has the best intentions and in what she is doing and that – and so if I, if I give her the benefit of the doubt, I think that would – resolve conflicts before they even
1: started mm-hmm. it's putting your trust in that person mm. and that's hard for everybody to do but with people we love it might be a little bit easier yeah. and it definitely shows that we love them more if we're putting our trust in them
0: right and when, i mean when it comes to our relationships within the church you know it's it's so easy to see something that someone is doing and all immediately become hypercritical of them and yet if we take this and apply the benefit of the doubt principle and assume that they do have best intentions in mind they they are wanting to do what's best for Christ then you know i think it just changes how we approach each other in the church it changes how we talk about <laughs> each mm-hmm. other in the mm-hmm. church you know I, I imagine one of the most rampant things in the church is gossip. But oh, yeah. if we're assuming the best about everybody, you know, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, then I think that would change our language
1: about each other mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think that I'll sort of answer this question too, because Christian relationships are a little bit different than maybe our day-to-day relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And I always I don't know, get get worried that there are people out there that are trying to you know, pull the wool over your eyes, mm. and I guess that's the wrong mindset, Yeah. <laughs> but I still do it, and I feel like I'm going to be taken advantage of. But then that goes back to what Jesus said earlier in his sermon, that we should turn the other cheek, mm. we should go the extra mile yeah. for those people. So yeah. either way, we should give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right, here's another question. Are you particularly judgmental in areas where you think you've gotten your act together?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I notice myself doing that, especially if it's in an area that maybe not necessarily my act together, but that I, I don't know, would consider myself more of an expert in than um, other people. Yeah. Then I suddenly put my expertise on that other person and if they're not doing it the way that i think they should be doing it it, i get a little frustrated and i have to kind of step back and remind myself they're not as experienced in this and i also hope that other people do the same thing for me when i'm trying to do something that i don't have any experience with but yes i i tend to i guess judge people more when i feel like i've gotten my act together yeah, one example that I
0: can that I came to my mind was like, you know, just say church attendance. If you wanted to give that a I guess biblical term, you could say fellowship or or worship. You know, the Hebrews writer mentions it as, you know, the assembling of ourselves together, and it's you know, if you got your act together and you've had perfect attendance the last decade, and you see, you know, that person or that family is like, man, they miss every other every other <laughs> service or they're never here on Sunday nights. You know, it's super easy to, you know, look down on someone. And yet, you know, I'm sure that in that person's life, even though they've, you know, had perfect attendance for 10 years, you know, you look at the the things that are laid out in the scriptures of how to be more like God. Uh, sometimes we call them spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. uh I would imagine that there's a few that they might be lacking on <laughs> and uh and all of a sudden you know we think uh that same person might have a terrible prayer life and 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 yet oh well you know I, I do need to get better on that and and you know have all all of a sudden this this character of grace for themselves of oh well you know I, I do need to get better at that, but that person needs to come to church every time you know <laughs> and and so yeah, it's so easy to to be judgmental and areas where you you got things together.
1: Yeah, and then come to find out that person that's not there every Sunday evening or Wednesday, they're out you know, feeding the poor right. or <laughs> helping other people, yeah. ministering.
0: Ooh.
1: And we just have no idea. We don't yeah. know what's going on in their life. Right. So, how can we give up that judgmental attitude?
0: It's it's you know, I, I just mentioned spiritual disciplines, you know, it takes discipline to To do that, I think it takes an active mindset, and it it takes us to be conscious and reflective about how we view other people, how we talk about other people, and it, it whenever we're having those thoughts. I think refer back to you know that benefit benefit of the doubt principle. I think that's a practical way that we can give up a judgmental attitude, but it's it's not something that comes easily. It's not just a you know a light switch that you can turn on and off. I mean it it takes practice, it takes exercise, it takes discipline.
1: Hmm. I, th- I think for me, a reminder that I am just as undeserving as God's grace mm-hmm. as anybody else.
0: Yeah 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 whenever whenever you feel judgmental of someone else think of think of something that you need to take out of your own eye mm-hmm. before you go and try and take the speck out of their eye yep yeah
1: all right next question do you change the subject when something comes up you are not particularly good at
0: uh, i I don't know that I necessarily necessarily do that I might become very silent (laughs) whenever I don't know anything about the subject but I don't know that I actively try and change it Mm. how about you
1: did you know it's cold outside Casey have you noticed the weather (laughs) (laughs) it is chilly today (laughs) yeah Yeah, I I see myself doing this sometimes I try to avoid it because I at least I like to think that I notice it more now and that's mostly because People have told me that I do it. Okay. They they came to me in a loving manner. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and so I I try to yeah make sure that I don't do that so much. Okay. Um, right. But I also see it happen a lot. It's not unusual. Okay. For a lot of people, I guess.
0: All right. Let's have a comparison here. Okay. So let's compare the greatest commands: okay. love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, and the Golden Rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Are they saying different things or the same thing? Well, my first
1: reaction is they're saying the same thing.
0: <laughs> uh, and for reference, you know, we call the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12. Yes. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them.
1: Yes. And then the greatest commands are going back to the first two commandments mm-hmm. of the the 10 commandments in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, the golden rule doesn't specifically... Talk about loving God with all your heart all right uh in the the commands do, but I think to love God is loving your neighbor so yeah i I think it's the same thing how about yeah. you yeah i I would
0: agree i think they're i think it's i think it's uh wording the same principle maybe in a little bit different way, you know if you think, well, how can I love my neighbor? Uh, even when they're not necessarily a lovable person. And which, by the way, you know, that idea of loving your neighbor it's not you know your physical neighbor you next door to your it's it's certainly not referring just to those people that you like in church, mm-hmm. but you know loving your neighbor is loving those near to you mm-hmm. uh, which could be in the marketplace, could be atheists, could be you know someone of a a different belief system altogether and and so loving those people who are near you and you might ask well how how do I do that?" and i think jesus gives maybe a practical way to do that in the what we call golden rule in matthew 7:12 and that is treat them like you want to be treated like you know you have it's not it's not just that they have a different faith system than you but you have a different faith system than them. (laughs) and So how would you want them to treat you in a conversation? Would you want them to look down their nose at you? Would you want them to belittle you? Would you want them to tell you why you're wrong and get in a spitfire (laughs) argument? I don't know that anybody wants that. And so let's not treat other people that way, but rather treat them the way that we want to be treated. And I think everybody could say that they want to be treated with love, kindness, respect. And and so yeah, I think I think these are are talking about the same principle, the golden rule and the and the greatest commands. Second greatest command, I guess is really what we're comparing. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you want to be judged? Oh man, I want to be judged with 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 straight up Hardcore justice. <laughs> no, I, w- I want to be given grace and mercy and uh, a lot of wiggle room is how I want to be judged. Yeah, yeah. I want to be judged unfairly, but to my benefit. Right. <laughs> to my benefit, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that question, I mean, just speaks loudly to how— we should be judging others. I mean, we want to be judged with wiggle room. We want to be judged with grace. We want to have uh, mercy given to us. And Jesus says it back in the opening of his Sermon on the Mount, uh, that blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so if we have an attitude of giving grace, giving mercy, then we can expect that in return. Mm-hmm. And and everybody wants, wants that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, in The Cost of Discipleship, we're going to talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer again, which, by the way, I get made fun of about how much we mention him in our podcast. Oh, really? Well, yeah. He's a,
0: he's a great read. If yeah. you If you haven't read it, The Cost of Discipleship is the book. And so, yeah, go and get it. The The whole, I mean, the book is, you know, his his thoughts, reflections, theology on the Sermon on the Mount. So, it's a, it's a great read.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in, in his book, he talks about the rights and the power of disciples. And the question is, discuss what Bonhoeffer says about rights and power of the disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one thing that
0: is, is mentioned in the, in the book is to keep in mind that he is living in 1930s Nazi Germany. And, and he had actually moved back to Germany to try and help the cause against the Nazis and ended up being killed for it and so that's kind of the context that Bonhoeffer is coming from and this what he's talking about here and and rights and and power is that as christians he would suggest to give up at least american christians mm-hmm. giving up our obsession our need of rights and power <laughs> and that is at the core of a good American heart is that is my right. You know, we have the bill of rights. I mean, we literally have it in our founding documents and, and the idea of giving up the obsession of those things is, is very tough. But you know, he talks about how that is rooted in judgmentalism.
1: Mm -hmm. And he, he also mentions that the rights and power are through Christ We don't have any true rights or true power. Yeah. But Christ has all the rights and Mm -hmm. all the power. And if we die to ourselves and live as or for Christ, that's the only rights and power we have are his.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He talks about these rights and powers that we think we have, I guess, ownership of that. It leads to pride. It leads to to fighting because we think that, you know, we have it all figured out. We think that we have authority in areas that we have no business claiming authority in. And so that, you know, that, that leads to that fighting, that leads to that sense of pride. And what Bonhoeffer is suggesting that whenever we give that up, whenever we renounce that, that claim on rights and power, then, you know, we, we lose the need, the desire to make judgments on, on people. Mm -hmm. Um, because we all of a sudden realize you know it's it's not my right it's it's not my authority, it's not my power. Who am I to judge that person yeah you know i'm I'm basically trying to take the take the role of God in this, and that's that's not a healthy position to be in,
1: well, Casey, do we want to close this with some challenges? Yes, sounds
0: right. good, sounds good, so first challenge, speak only what love requires. That can be tough. <laughs> Pick a time period and experiment with speaking only out of love. That means no judgmental or harsh tone of talking. Mm.
1: All right. And then we have a second challenge. No sarcastic speech. I'm going to have a hard time with that one. Yeah, there's that, that'll be harder for some. <laughs> <laughs> Speak only what love requires, meaning bring focus to what you say. Saying things that loving people... that Saying things that loving people requires, but nothing more. And at the end, it may require you to be more silent than normal. <sighs> I think I'm going to be a lot more silent. Yeah, this week. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. If, if I'm going to not be sarcastic, I just won't talk.
1: <laughs> you know, that's something your parents always tell you growing up. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at Yeah, out. yeah. And th- that's something that... Every now and then I'll, i I try to do, I try to do it as often as I remember to do it, yeah. but I'll notice that I'll have conversations with people where if somebody says something and my first reaction is to want to bite back or bark uh-huh. back, whatever, that I just bite my tongue. Yeah. Even if they're expecting an answer from me, yeah. I just don't say <laughs> a word and it tends to be more helpful that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So two great challenges. Speak only what love requires. No sarcastic speech. See if you can do it this week. Mm.
1: All right. So next week's sermon will be titled, Who Do You Trust?
0: All right. We're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount series. We are. So only two more sermons in the series after this. That's right. So we look forward to being with you next week on the podcast. If you have any uh, questions, comments, reflections, uh, any answers to our Q&A, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at WS church.net. And until next week, we love you. We love you guys.